No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we see that it is vanity to have wealth, but not to enjoy it. What you see is better than a wandering desire for what you cannot have. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in Ecclesiastes chapter 6 on Simply the Bible. You've heard the cliche, the grass is always greener on the other side. It seems that it is human nature to be discontent. You can have everything this world has to offer and yet still be empty inside. You look around to someplace else, some other lot in life, and you think that if you just had that, well, then I'd be happy. But Solomon, in his wisdom, probes deeply into the heart of man to prove that apart from seeing our place in the scheme of things, life makes no sense. And a senseless life is a hopeless life. So then what is the source of hope, peace, and contentment? That is our subject today. As we continue in Ecclesiastes chapter 6, there is an evil which I have seen under the sun. And it is common among men, a man to whom God has given riches and wealth and honor, so that he lacks nothing for himself of all he desires, yet God does not give him power to eat of it. But a foreigner consumes it. This is vanity, and it is an evil affliction. So Solomon observed a very common evil under the sun, and that is someone who seems to have everything that they could want, riches, wealth, honor, and yet he doesn't have the capacity to enjoy it. Why not? Is it because of bad health? Is it because of insatiable greed? He just can't stop getting more and more. Is it because of guilt? He feels guilty if he stops and enjoys and smells the roses. Is it that he's addicted to work or is it fear? Maybe he's afraid that if he doesn't keep working, then, you know, if he he doesn't amass more, then somebody will come along and take it all away and he'll have nothing. We're not really told. All we are told is that it is a great evil because he has so much but he's not able to enjoy what he has. And then finally, a foreigner comes and consumes it. Now, whether that's an enemy coming in and robbing it from him, or whether it's just the enemy of death that ultimately takes it. But Solomon says this is vanity. It's futility. What's the point of him amassing all of this and never to be able to enjoy it? If a man begets a hundred children and lives many years so that the days of his years are many, but his soul is not satisfied with goodness or indeed he has no burial, I say that a stillborn child is better than he for it comes in vanity and departs in darkness and its name is covered with darkness. Though it has not seen the sun or known anything, this has more rest than that man. Even if he lives a thousand years twice, that's 2,000 years. Have you ever seen a 2,000-year-old man? But he has not seen goodness. Do not all go to one place? So 
again, Solomon is just saying, look, if this man has everything you could want, not only wealth and honor, but also a hundred children, it was considered to be a great blessing to have many children in, in that day, and also long life. 2,000 years. I mean, you can't get any longer than that. Obviously, Solomon is pushing it beyond the limits here. He's using hyperbole to, to show that if he had all of these things and yet could not enjoy it, then what's the point? Now, he has no burial. What he means by this is that even though he has 100 children, where are they when he dies? They're not around. Perhaps, you know, there's no love in the family. And so rather than his children being there at his deathbed around him to comfort him, they're gone. I mean, they're there for the reading of the will. Uh, They care about what they're going to get, but they don't care about him. And so that's vanity. That's senseless. What's the point? A stillborn child, Solomon says, would be better off. Why? Because at least the child never experienced the pains and sorrows of life, and its name is covered in darkness. Now, the Jews would not mention the name of a stillborn child, thinking that this would help subdue their grief. But even such a stillborn child would then be better off than this man who has so much, who worked so hard to get what he got, and yet could not enjoy it. These are the questions with which Solomon wrestles. All the labor of man is for his mouth, and yet the soul is not satisfied. For what more has the wise man than the fool? What does the poor man have? Who knows how to walk before the living? Better is the sight of the eyes than the wandering of desire. This also is vanity and grasping for the wind. Now, Solomon says all the labor of man is for his mouth, and yet the soul is not satisfied. Think about work. Our work occupies a great part of our life. So if we are able to earn a living doing what we enjoy, then we are truly blessed. But if we can't find contentment and joy and satisfaction in our work, then that is a miserable state. Now, yesterday, My wife, Cindy, and I met with an estate attorney to prepare our wills and ensure that what we have passes to our children in the best way possible after we depart. Now, many people would consider such work to be drudgery, but I was amazed at how much enjoyment the attorney that we met with takes in his work. He spent two hours with us, and I'm sure he could have kept going, because he just loved discussing estate planning. I mean, he went on a couple of rabbit trails and just said, you know, uh, hopefully I'm not getting too geeky here, but he just obviously loves what he does. And I take pleasure in seeing somebody who loves what they do, whatever it is that they do. When a person finds his or her vocation and then takes joy in doing it, that is truly a blessed and contented life. But sadly, many people hop from job to job, seeking the perfect job, thinking that there's something out there that will fulfill their passion, but then they never find it because it isn't about the job outside. It's about their attitude inside. 
And if you can learn to be content in whatever job God has given you and do it wholeheartedly as unto the Lord and find joy in it, even if it's simply just putting bread on your table and it's not necessarily the, you know, the flipping burgers or whatever is not your life career that you really want. Hey, look, if you do it with joy and you do it as unto the Lord, God will give you contentment and he will find a way to bless you in it and perhaps allow you to move into something else. Now, Solomon says the wise, the fool, and the poor are all alike in this, that each one can either find contentment in his work or be dissatisfied with it. So he says to enjoy what you have rather than desiring what you don't have. Do you want to learn the secret of contentment? Well, let me ask you, what is before you right now? What is God giving you to do? What has he opened the door for you to do? What is he blessing? What has he gifted you to do? And are you doing it wholeheartedly? Are you using the talents God has given to you to the fullest? Sadly, many people, rather than enjoying what they have and what is immediately before them, they have their eyes on the ends of the earth. They are dreamers chasing fantasies. They never obtain what they're looking for and they miss out on what God would have given them. This is vanity and a grasping of the wind. Now, there's nothing wrong with having dreams and there's nothing wrong with having ambition. But I find that God takes what it is that he's gifted you to do and what he's put before you to do. And as you are faithful in that, then you are able to build toward those dreams and they become a reality because you've done the hard work to get there. Verse 10, whatever one is, he has been named already for it is known that he is man and he cannot contend with him who is mightier than he. Since there are many things that increase vanity, how is man the better? For who knows what is good for man in life? All the days of his vain life, which he passes like a shadow. Who can tell a man what will happen after him under the sun? Now, Solomon has said this several times, that what has been will be. Uh, and that is, there's nothing new under the sun. But the purpose for this is that God has a foreordained purpose in all things. He makes the plans and nobody can change that. Proverbs 21.30 says there is no wisdom or understanding or counsel against the Lord. So if you find yourself contending against God's plan in your life, you talk about futility. You talk about frustration. You know, God, if he closes a door, nobody can open it. The definition of futility is to strive against God's plan for your life. Now, he says that there are many things that increase vanity. I, I watch people, I, I see some uh, celebrities, and it just seems like everything that they're doing is just increasing their vanity. But of what good is it ultimately? How does that make them any better? If we are to be famous, if we are to be rich, if everybody knows our name, if we got a million likes on Facebook or whatever, how does that really make your life any better? How does that make you a better person? How does that make you more like Christ? For who knows what is good for a person? Can you say if it's going to be better for you to be poor or rich, to be single or to be married? 
you know, to have your dream job or just to be working at McDonald's for the rest of your life. I mean, who's to say which is going to be better for you? It could be that having perhaps a less glamorous job is going to keep you on the straight and narrow path and enable you to enjoy eternity rather than going to hell. How about that? So we don't know. We don't know what's best for us and we don't know what the future holds, which is why the best place that we can be is to be surrendered to the will of God in our life and to know that he's in charge, that he has a plan and to be willing to walk in his way. Remember that throughout Ecclesiastes, Solomon is looking at life without God being an integral part. Life doesn't make sense apart from God being front and center. And even though Solomon often references God in this book, we don't see him in the driver's seat. Solomon pictures God in his final role as judge, but not in his role as the good shepherd who leads us and guides us in every path of life. He is the one who gives us meaning. He gives us everything, whether our daily bread, abundant riches, fruitful labor, or anything else. He gives it all to us for our enjoyment. He gives us the capacity to be content in all things if we make him the center of our lives. You've been listening to Simply the Bible. The Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to other episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our podcast on iTunes or Spotify. If you have any questions or comments, please contact us through our website. Tomorrow, we'll see where Solomon gives various practical exhortations. In his quest for wisdom, he discovered that God made man upright, but he has pursued many schemes. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the book of Ecclesiastes on Simply the Bible. Simply the Bible